0: As we take our Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 4, I want to thank the, uh, the church for singing today and musicians and choir and so forth. It's a blessing to sing together with you. And uh, we sing together to teach ourselves, he said, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And now we turn to the most important part of any service, and that is the reading and focus on the words of God. Uh, We always have visitors here, and we're grateful to have each of you, and and the visitors and the members are all at different stages in their spiritual journey, and uh, we will... We will be going through some things that will apply to people who have been in Christ for years and years and years. And it will also, in some places, speak specifically to those who are not yet in Christ. The scripture uses the term born again. And if you are not born again, I want you to listen carefully. Uh, at that moment. It's not called being a Baptist or becoming a Baptist. There's a distinction between religion and receiving the righteousness of Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. It means I'm going to heaven, not because I'm good, but because Jesus Christ is good and he made the way, he made the way for me to go. And so when you hear that, um, perk your ears up because it'll help you uh, to understand what Christ is going to do for you. Now, we've been going through Philippians here and we, we continue. Philippians teaches us how to have the mind of Christ, how to have joy through the mind of Christ, no matter what the circumstances might bring. Let's look at chapter three, and we're coming to chapter four, but we're going to start in chapter three. He says in verse number 14 of Philippians, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That was his mindset, Paul the apostle. And then he says, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, remember not sinless, but perfect in Christ, be thus minded. And if anything, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Remember, it's about how to have joy through the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ is broken down for us throughout the book. What is the mind of Christ? And if I wanted to have the mind of Abraham Lincoln, what would I get? The mind of Benjamin Franklin. The mind, you fill in the blank of a person that you respect and admire. Who would it be? All right? Once you know who that person is, how would you have their mind? It means to think like they would think. And that's exactly what God intends for every believer, to think like Jesus Christ thinks. And he says, we're not all at the same place, he said, but God can reveal even those things where we're otherwise minded, he can reveal even those things to you. Nevertheless, he says in verse number 16, even though there are some who are not otherwise minded, nevertheless, where to we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Now that is important, uh, that phrase and that concept of thinking, thinking after Christ, thinking the thoughts that Christ would have, not just that, but thinking alike, thinking alike. Well, why do we even have to have a message on thinking alike? well, if you if you didn 't know there are Baptists in the Bible, let me show you in chapter four, verse number two, I beseech Eu- Euodius and beseech Sintiki that they be of the same mind in the Lord now these are two ladies who are in the church there at Philippi. And if, you, if it helps to, to maybe relativize it a little bit for you, Cyntiki, um, they say, is actually connected maybe with the, with the name Cynthia. All right? So if that helps you to kind of think of, you know, who names their daughter Cyntiki? Well, obviously no one here. But in Greece it was a popular name. And Euodius uh, and as well. And he says, I beseech these women, that they be of the same mind. Did you see the same, that, that same mind thing there in chapter 3, verse 16? Several times through the book, he talks about thinking the same thing. Thinking the same thing. Why? As humans, I don't know what it is, but we just have this way of thinking differently than other people. And, uh, it, and here in America, we pride ourselves on that. And there's nothing wrong with thinking your own thoughts and having your own understanding and going for that. But it somehow seems to end up in some kind of a scrap. There have been some monumental rivalries in American history. Uh, notably, Alexander Hamilton and... Alan Boone, Alan Boone. Does anyone remember Got Milk? Anybody? am I the only one here? Okay. Remember Got Milk? The commercial. Remember there was one where where it was, the guy was supposed to, he had the name, he was supposed to say the name, Aaron Burr. But because he had just eaten a peanut butter sandwich, he couldn't say it. And he would say, he couldn't say it. And it was like peanut butter was stuck. His tongue was stuck. And so milk came to the rescue. And helped helped him clear up his mouth so he could say Burr. Now I don't know why that came to my mind, but uh, but maybe it was just to help you kind of look and feel sorry for me for once. <laughs> but but uh, I thought, you know you know those guys were not friends. They were they were bitter enemies. In fact, uh, the, it came down to a duel. Remember that. And finally. Uh, Alexander Hamilton was mortally wounded in that duel One of the last duels in American history Now we don't fight with uh, duels anymore We fight more with words today And, uh, you know, there's been some pretty Even going back to Thomas Edison and uh, Tesla Nikola Tesla they They were bitter enemies Let me read you some of the stuff they said to one another Here's what Edison said: "Mr. Tesla is better at discovery than he is at invention. He has some novel ideas, but he is very lacking in common sense." Now these these guys were colleagues at one point, and now they're starting to lob you know these bombs over the fence at one another. Tesla could give as good as he got. He said Edison seems to be more adept at making a fortune from his inventions than actually inventing things. If he applied himself to original creation, he might really accomplish something. Wow, man, you thought Edison was great. Tesla, not so much. He didn't think he was. Fast forward a little bit. How many remember Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier? They were not happy with one another either. They had this rivalry going inside the boxing ring and outside. They, were, you know, and Muhammad Ali was, you know, he he was a great boxer, but he also had a big mouth. He said, "This is what he said: Joe Frazier is so ugly he should donate his face to the U.S. Bureau of Wildlife." <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Frazier said he was just ordinary without his mouth. Man, they went back and forth. You know, bringing it even closer up, here's a good one. Donald Trump and Rosie O'Donnell. You remember that? They still got a feud going. Hatfields and McCoy's got nothing on them. Trump said, Rosie O'Donnell is disgusting, both inside and out. If you take a... You never wonder what Trump's thinking. He always tells you. If you take a look at her, she's a slob. She talks like a truck driver. She doesn't have her facts. She'll say anything that comes to her mind. Rosie, Rosie, <laughs> there's a reason why he could say this and get away with it because Rosie could give it as good as she got too. She said, Donald, I appreciate it was, it was uh, mental health awareness week and he had said something about it. You know, she said, Donald, I appreciate you noting it's mental health week. You clearly need help. I want you to know you can get better. <laughs> it's great. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you know, it's, it's hilarious, it's funny, and it, it, the further we get away from it, the funnier it gets. Um, you know, the further we get away from Hatfield and McCoy, it becomes this meme in our culture, you know, and it's, it's really funny. But it, in the middle of it, it's, it's nasty. It's nasty. And I don't know, there's several things I don't know about this rivalry, this feud, whatever you want to call it, between Yodius and Syntychea. Uh, I don't know what caused the difficulty, how they got on different pages. I don't know how intense the fighting was. I mean, I don't know if the cat claws came out or not. Um, you know, when, when women fight, they, they start pulling hair. It's something has, There's a connection with hair. hair. brushes come out, you know, sometimes, and uh, curling irons, and just throwing things at people, and claws. How do I know this? I have eight sisters. <coughs> so at least my, my you know, what, what little they were allowed to fight growing up. Um, it can get nasty and it's always uncomfortable for the opposite gender to watch it's uncomfortable for the ladies to watch the men get mad it's uncomfortable for the men to watch the ladies fight and it's like we can't like we don't understand what's going on in their mind but boy when it's guy versus guy we get it there's blood in the water right we we get it and I'm sure that the ladies understand it as well but the truth is though we don't even know that they were fighting it doesn't say that they were fighting. What does it say? It says, I beseech these women that they, are, that they be of the same mind. Maybe the Lord was just being gracious in how He put it. I know the Lord's been gracious to me in my life. And uh, he's, he's certainly gracious to uh, believers. He does not, oh, He doesn't tattle. He doesn't tattle. You ever find that God, God lets us tattle on one another, but aren't you glad he doesn't tattle on you or me? He's a gracious God. All we know is that these women thought differently. Their minds were not on the same page. And the attitude is basically, I, I, want, I think things should be this way, and the other said, no, things should be this way. And that attitude hasn't gone away since the first century. I mean, it's since the beginning of human civilization. I'm right. I want things done my way. And here here in America, we have, you know, we the people. Uh, We want a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And for a lot of Americans, that means of me, by me, and for me. Well, I want to say if it was. And it's not grammatically correct. They want to say I, the people. Right. That's how we think. We think it's about what I want to get, and it's not that we want anyone else to be hurt. Uh, we're not trying to take anything from any. We just want things very simply. Here's what it is. We want what we want, and then it's, we're surprised that other people want the same thing, not what we want, but what they want. And that's how, somehow, these women ended up on two different pages. We know this. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 13:10, only by pride cometh contention. So when there is contention between two people, pride is involved. There's going to be some type of pride somewhere. How should we handle these disagreements? This is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about being of the same mind in the Lord. The same mind in the Lord. And if you get this concept down, this concept that God wants to put people on the same page, it's going to help you in every facet of your life. Unless you live... The life of a hermit, you know, up in a mountain somewhere. And like Heidi's... Everybody read Heidi growing up? Heidi, the her, her, her grandfather's a hermit, and he did not want to be around anybody. He didn't want to come into town. And it count, there came a point when we found out that Heidi's grandpa had gotten hurt way back in his life. And it was because of that he didn't want to be around people. That's typically the reason that we don't want to be around people. That's why we struggle in our marriages Because we're not on the same page. That's why we struggle with our children, with our parents, with our boss, with our neighbors. This is why we have difficulty in coming to the same mind, thinking the same thing. He said mind the same thing. How shall we handle these disagreements? I'm going to give you three basic points that are right here in the the verse. Number one, remember your identity. Remember your identity. What does it say there? He said that they be of the same mind, where? In the Lord. So when we come to a point of disagreement, which mind should we use? Yours or mine? How about neither one? Neither one. You can also think about this message in terms of your relationship with God. Which mind should be used? Neither one. The same mind in the Lord. Paul didn't say, think, hey, hey, Euodius and Syntyche. It's a great name. Think like me. Stop thinking like you think. Think like me. Paul didn't say that. Paul said, be of the same mind in the Lord. In the Lord. Well, let me ask you this question. How does a fellow get in the Lord. Like, how do you get to the Lord? I want you to look at two places. One is very close. It's, it's the previous book called Ephesians. It's right behind it, right to the left. And then one is way in the back, uh, middle of the Bible, in Isaiah. That's not the middle, but it's close to the middle. Isaiah 53. So we're going to go to Isaiah 53 first. 53. And look at verse 6. Then we're going to go to Ephesians. This is how you learn the Bible. You flip back and forth, and you start out, and you know nothing about it. You know nothing about it. You're completely lost. And then you start picking up a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and that's all you do for the rest of your life. You add a little bit, add a little bit. That's how you learn the Bible. Isaiah 53, look what it says in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us. Do you see the pronouns there? All we, like sheep, we have turned everyone to his own way. You see, the thing that's so interesting is when people say, I want to be my own person. I want to be different. They always link up with another group of people just like them. You ever notice that? You go into the average high school, you're going to see that. You're going to go into a college group. Anywhere there's groups of people and they have a choice, they end up the birds of a feather flock together. Right? And that's what he's saying about sheep here. He said, all we, like sheep, everyone has gone to his own way. Well, I've got my own ideas about God. I've got my own ideas about about the Bible. My own ideas about religion. And my own ideas just about the world in general. I have my certain take that I have. My perception. My own. It comes from my blend of street smarts and personality. Look what it says there in Isaiah 53, verse number 6. All we... All we, like sheep, we have turned everyone to his own way. That word right there is the crux, is the foundation, is the root of the problem. His own way. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you about how you get in Christ. Everybody has his own way, her own way to live their lives. You do what you can. You try to be good, or you try to, you know, freshen up your life a little bit, try not to be a jerk, and, you know, I guess you're supposed to be a really great person if you haven't killed anyone, right? People say, I never killed anybody. Congratulations. (laughs) Good job on not killing humans. That's amazing. You're a really great person for not killing people. Isn't that crazy? Well I I've never I've never, you know, stolen anything. Be careful on that one. <laughs> the Lord the Lord's got a, a much higher bar than we do. You mean you never put a mask on and have robbed a bank? Like that's a whole lot different, you know, than than robbing people's time, uh stealing things from, from their cubicle at work, from their locker at school, from your sister's dresser, you know. And just take stuff. You're in the, in the store. Man, they got millions of dollars. I could take the little something. It's not gonna, right? That, steal time from the company, all that kind of stuff. See, every man has his own way. So what's interesting about humans is this. Your way that you're going is bad. But you got to understand, let, let me explain my way. Uh, let, 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 hear me out. Let me explain. I'm different. I'm not bad. Did I mention I haven't killed anyone? I haven't stolen, I haven't stolen anything. I, I, I've never uh, committed adultery. So I am like, I'm pretty close to s- sainthood. Think about it. I don't go around doing bad stuff. I, you see, it's interesting because you could look at my life and you could say, well, wait, with that right there, that's not good. And I could look at your life and say, that's not good. You know why we can do that? Because both of us are Right. What have we both done? We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, it says in verse number 6, The Lord hath laid on him, not us, laid on him the iniquity of us all. How can a person know for sure they're going to heaven? I'll tell you how. Did Jesus Christ pay for all of your sins or not? That's what it comes down to. If he did not then you are responsible for some of your sins. And you better get busy. You better stop playing around. You better stop messing around. You better stop all the foolishness, right? But if Jesus Christ... Notice he says here, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many people sent Jesus to the cross every person that's ever lived. Because every person has sinned. Well, who defines sin? I think you know the answer to this one. The Baptist church doesn't define it. The Catholic church doesn't define it. The Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the Charismatic, the Pentecostals, the Assembly of God, the Mormon church, the uh, the Baha'i faith, the, the, the Buddhists, They don't, no one, you know who defines sin? God defines sin in his book. And God says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It is appointed to men once to die. The Bible says that sin entered into the world, wherefore as by one man, that was Adam, sin entered into the world, and so death passed upon all men for that all of sin. So sin is, God says, don't, and you did. God says, honor thy father and mother. The first time you looked at your mom and you sassed her, you broke one of his commandments. Well, you didn't know my mom. But God did. How much did you have to do with bringing yourself into the world anyhow? Nothing. God gave you your mom and your dad. And when you sassed her and you you talked back and you said, I don't have to listen to you, blankety-blank, you know what you did? You broke one of God's commandments. You say, well, they weren't worthy of it. It doesn't matter what you think about them. It matters what God said in his book. Thou shalt honor thy father and mother. Now, we could go down. It's amazing. People say, I'm going to live by the Ten Commandments. You couldn't quote them if you had to. With a gun to your head, you couldn't quote them. How are you supposed to live by the Ten Commandments if you don't even know them? Am I, is that unfair? I think that's very fair. you got to at least know what they are in order to keep them, right? If you don't know what they are, how can you keep them? You say, man, you're starting to make me feel like I'm really bad. Absolutely. How bad? Really bad so that God the Father actually punished Jesus Christ for every cuss word that you and I ever said, every time we ever lusted in our minds towards a woman that did not belong to us. Boy, that's shaving really close today. Hey, every time we said, "I don't care about what they want," I care about what I want. You know what that is? That's hating your brother in your heart. The Bible says, "If you hate your brother, you have the heart of a murderer." Now, maybe you didn't have the opportunity to murder. I can tell you this. If push came to shove, like it did with the first brothers, Cain and Abel, and you couldn't get what you wanted because he was in the way, you'd kill him in a heartbeat. How do I know that? Because I know my own heart. Well, I would never. Well, I'm happy to tell you, I'm glad that you didn't do that. But there's nine other ones that you've got to take account of. You see, what happens is this. We look at ourselves and say, well, I have my own way, and she has her own way, and that's just the best thing. Let's just not talk. The less I see of her or of him, the better. That way we can get along. But the problem is, you are just like the sheep in Isaiah 53. You've turned everyone to your own way, and that is not the way God wants you to go. And so God had to punish, he was going to punish you for it, But if he punishes you, you're going to go to hell for eternity with no hope whatsoever. Say, man, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Imagine what Jesus felt when he died for your (laughs) sins. When he died for my sins, he hung naked on a cross, nailed like a bug to a cross. That's what Jesus did. For you and for me. So when we talk about how how could God ever hold me accountable, listen, you can't, you'll never find a God with that big of a heart who hates sin so much that he will put you in hell for eternity, but he doesn't want you to go there, so he allows his own son to die for you. That is the nth degree of hatred and love in one person and one place, the cross of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about how do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Man, forgive me if I don't trust what a man says. I've known too many men. I know myself. I trust the word of God. He said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. With religion, here's what religion says. Well, all of us know that there's a scale in heaven. When we get up there to heaven, God's going to weigh your good works and your bad works. Listen, guys, I'm not trying to be unkind. That ain't in here. It's not in here. Okay, so the scale is out. You stand before God and he says, you did this, you did this, and you did this. You're going to hell for eternity. I mean, if you, if you want to talk about a scale, that's it. Why? Because it's not based on my goodness that gets me into heaven. It's basically this. You've got no goodness that can keep you out of hell. The opposite of what we think. So what am I supposed to do? Well, the scripture says right there in 53.6, did you see it? The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So let me ask you, do you think God's fair? Do you think God, God is just? He couldn't be God if he wasn't. Do you think that God, having put all of your sin on Christ, that He's now going to come back and demand you to pay for it? No way. God is just. He's not going to double the fine just because He's mad. He said the fine was placed on the Son of God, the Messiah. And every disobedient rebel sheep that went wandering his own way, he said, I'm, they're, they're going to pay for it. They're gonna, he's going to, she's going to pay for it. And, but, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Rather than making all of them pay for it, I'm going to take all of their sin and I'm going to make Jesus pay for it. In the audacity that somehow you are going to be able to, in your religion and your New Year's resolution or your productivity hacks, you're going to figure out how to be as good as what Jesus did. There ain't no way. It's not going to happen. In fact it's a smack in God's face to say, God, I know what Jesus did and all, but I think if I, if I were to just add a little something, maybe I could like get baptized or I could stop, you know, smoking or I could stop sleeping around and stop boozing it up all the time. And well, I think if I just kind of clean my life up, I'll feel better about myself. Well, you may indeed feel better about yourself. And by the way, that's all sin. Get it out of your life. But if you think getting rid of that stuff somehow equates you with what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you're sadly mistaken. That is the only payment that, number one, God recognizes as sufficient. Sufficient. Why? Because he was the ultimately innocent sacrifice. Even if I paid for my sins, what am I going to do with who I am as a person? What kind of a person sins knowing that it's wrong? That's my old nature. That's who I am in my flesh. Jesus Christ never sinned. And yet he paid for my sin. That's the perfect sacrifice. I'm pointing back to an imaginary cross, if you're wondering. I always, I always picture a cross up here for some reason. And, 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 and the cross is where Jesus Christ made it possible for every person in this room right now to be with him forever. Why? He was God in the flesh. He had the power to come back from the dead after he was killed for your sins and mine. That means he's God. And he said, I give unto them eternal life. If it's a gift, you can't earn it. You can only receive it. So we start with... Being in the Lord. How does a person get in the Lord? Now we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Back over to where we were in Philippians, but right before then is Ephesians chapter 1. Look what he says in verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Water time out, please. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Where, church? In Christ. Verse 7. In whom, who's he speaking of? Christ. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Not the riches of my grace and good works. God forgave me according to what Jesus did, not according to what I have did for God. Look at verse 13. Here's the sequence, if you're wondering. In whom, that's in Christ, ye also trusted, when? After that ye heard the word of truth. What's that? The gospel of your salvation. All right, so you you, you, you hear it. You hear what? Jesus Christ died for sins. He was buried and he rose again for our justification, proving that he was innocent of the charges and he could forgive you and I for our sin. Okay, that's the gospel. You hear that and you believe it. You don't just believe that it happened in in history. You believe, and it did happen in history, but it's not just that. You believe that Jesus died for you individually I knew it all my life that Jesus died, buried, rose again. I knew that. But it wasn't until I was 12 that I actually believed he did it for me. He died for the world. That's great. But I'm not the world. I'm just me. And he died for me. And I believe that. That, Notice he says there, verse number 13, in whom you also trusted. After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that, you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're in Christ. How can you possibly get along with another believer that's such a jerk? Here's how. You're both in Christ. You're both in Christ. What does that mean? Jesus Christ died for her sins, just like he died for your sins. Jesus Christ welcomed her into the family of God Just like he welcomed you into the family of God Hey, Iodius and Syntyche You all all think you're on opposite sides of the world You're not You're both in Christ It is absolutely mind-boggling How two believers cannot get along You ain't going to be able to hang out On different parts of heaven when you go up there There's no slamming the door and sulking in your room in heaven. We leave all that here in Toledo. Listen, you don't have to be on the opposite page with your spouse. You don't have to fight like cats and dogs. You don't have to be mad at your kids and mad at other people and always pushing and shoving and throwing your shoulder around and mouthing. You don't have to be that way. If you're in Christ... Your sins have been forgiven, and you stand complete and perfect, sinless, in Christ. In Christ. Both of you do. The problem is, we still got that old flesh that we drag around. That old nature. We don't lose that until we leave this world. But someone said this, in the presence of the sun, hard icicles flow together. You know the reason why you're having trouble getting along with someone is is quite possibly that you're not spending enough time in the sun. In the presence of the sun, you let the warm sunbeams of God's sun beam down on you and it'll start cooling off that grinch heart. It'll start warming it up. It'll start taking that that icy heart and it'll melt it. You see, the first thing you've got to know is that you're in Christ. Do you remember when you got saved? We call it getting saved. The Bible says, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Now, I'm I'm not talking about knowing that Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again. I mean, that's kind of a common thing to know. But do you remember the day where you put your faith in Christ as a finished work, not as a down payment? See, religion gets this messed up. They say, you better come and you better take communion. If you don't take communion, you're not going to be saved. What does that mean? I got to keep coming back and keep taking Jesus and keep taking Jesus and keep taking Jesus. But let me ask you this. How could Jesus say that he would give me eternal life if it's based on whether or not I get to church next Sunday? Eternal life is not based on what I do for him. It's based on what he did for me. I know I'm going to heaven. (laughs) And I don't feel a bit proud about that at all. I feel very humble. Because it's not about how good I am. It's about how good he is. I trust in his righteous works. Not my works. Because I know where I'd be if God hadn't saved me. And I know where I would be heading if I weren't saved by his righteousness i know we start by being in christ the second thing there if you go back to philippians chapter 4 philippians chapter 4 we start with remembering our identity remember your identity we're both in the lord secondly have humility he said did you notice there i beseech that means to beg to in earnestly ask i beseech euodius and then watch and beseech syntiki i beseech both of them i'm asking both of them to do what to be of the same mind and humility notice here it's not hey y'all stop it If you ever had that when growing up? I I had it growing up with my family, uh, and, and then I had it with my own kids growing up. There comes a point where the temperature's just rising, things are going crazy, and you're finally just say, hey, cut it out. Sit up straight. You know, you get in their face. Listen to me. And you start speaking monosyllabically. Listen. Very carefully to me You know what it is You're sick and tired of people misbehaving And so you drop the hammer And uh, boy I remember that growing up And boy I gave as good as I got to my kids But that's not what he uses here What does he say He said I beseech I'm asking you Iodias And I'm asking you He uses the beseech both times I'm asking you to be of the same mind You see, that humility with which Paul asks them is the same humility that helps us to be of the same mind. We have to adopt that mindset of humility. You can't be forced to comply. Humility is a voluntary pain that we bring on ourselves in order to honor God. This is for believers now. If you're not in Christ, this does not apply to you. But if you're in Christ, this is what humility is. humility, Humility is a voluntary pain that I bring on myself. It can be dangerous to humble yourself to people. Have you ever noticed that? People can be nasty. And maybe you're afraid to humble yourself because of something that's happened in your past. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you're stuck where you are thinking that I don't have to say I'm sorry. I don't have to apologize. But humility is voluntary. It comes from a willing heart. Because of the results of sin, because of infection, it really burns when you humble yourself. True humility ought to sting a little bit humility. I don't know if you were like me when I was growing up. You get a cut or something and my, my mom would come and she would pour, what did you pour in there? Peroxide? Is that right? Is it hydrogen peroxide? What, what, who, who decided that that was a good idea? You ever, you ever, it's like, well, they say it's fizzing, so that means it's working. You know, I'll tell you what it means. It's acid that's burning the inside of my body. Right? You pour, you get, now I understand it. it's supposed to clean it out and, and, and it helps and everything And I think that's, that's good, we want that But you know, that's, I just think about that How do we know it's working? Because it hurts How do you know you're being humble? Because it hurts See, fake humility doesn't hurt at all Fake humility, is no brother, brother, brother Brother I'll tell you a story one, one time years ago Had this guy That for whatever reason He, would, he, he was just trying To get in, get in my head And get in my head And get in my head And it was working And one day I got so mad at him And I just kind of Went off at him And I said Man what are you doing Why don't you leave me alone Why did you keep Bugging me And keep blah 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 And I started going after him And I felt badly After that you know And so uh, I went back to him and, and I said Man I'm sorry For what I said I'm sorry for being, you know, so harsh to your, towards you and everything. And you know what he said to me? He said, Jonathan, I will grieve over this. Grieve. Why? Because I brought you to this point. I will grieve. I was like, give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. You know what that was? It was fake Humility fake humility truth is he pushed me knowing what he was doing he brought me exactly to where i want i played along with him like a like a fool and then he got to play super christian at the other end right that's not humility humility is when you don't have to and nobody can make you but you decide you're gonna and it hurts this is the reason by the way we don't reconcile Because it's very difficult for me to be in a vulnerable state and come to my spouse and say, I want to apologize to you for what I said. Because everything in me is saying, but I'm not the only one that did wrong in this situation. I think we can all agree. I think what I did was here. What you did was here. Right? That's what I want to say. You know what humility says? I'm going to talk right now about what I did wrong. And I'm going to humble myself. And I'm not looking for retribution. I'm not looking to even out the scales and somehow make you pay by pretending to be humble. Are you following me? He said, be of the same mind in the Lord. You see, everybody's afraid that maybe somebody else is is getting away with something. So you can see Euodia sitting here going, yeah, but if I take a step towards the Lord, where does that leave her? Remember, this is what Peter said about the apostle John, John 21. Lord, and what shall this man do? The Lord just prophesied how he was going to die. And he's like, I'm dying, I'm going to the cross. What about John? He's just sitting there. Came up with some kind of a death for him. Right? As humans, that's what we want to say as believers. You know, you, you you ever get punished by your parents? And you know your sibling was somewhat involved. Maybe they were in the same county at the same time. And you're like, they ain't getting away with this. Hey! They were there too. She did it first, right? We all do it. You know what humility is? Humility is me forgetting about what God needs to work on in her life and walking up and saying, "Lord, I want to let you know that I'm wrong." And then walking over here and saying, "I want you to know that I was wrong." Now, how can I do that? She's wrong too. You're of the same mind in the Lord. I'm not doing it for her sake. That's fake humility. I'm doing it for his sake. He he, he forgave me, so I can forgive you. Hey, he paid for sins that were not mine, so maybe it stings a little bit when I apologize to you. That's okay. This is how we get on the same page and be of the same mind in the Lord. So, number one, remember your identity. Number two, have humility. And then number three, and lastly this morning, Choose unity. Choose it. He says here, be of the same mind. Do it. You have the power. You have the power to choose to be of the same mind. Look back in chapter 2, verse 2 of Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 2. He says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded. Having the same love. What's this infatuation? With people doing the same thing and having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. What is this? Why is he always talking about Doing it all the same way and think here's why let this mind verse number five Let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus The problem with american christianity today is that we all want jesus to take us to heaven But until we get there. I want to do my own thing I want to I want to I want to live my own life I want to have a church that's exactly the way I want it to be. I want everything in my life to just be custom fit. Why? We're used to I mean you go to Chipotle, I want it double wrapped. I want both beans customized. You're not a restaurant if you don't customize in America. Right? I go to the store. Hey, no, I want it in xxxxxxxxxx X, 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 you fill in the blank. Small or large, whichever one. No, no, I don't want just one size fits all. I want it exactly like I have in my mind the perfect life, and I will not be happy until I get that. You know what the Lord says? I, you, can't fo- you can have that if you want, but you can't follow me and have that. You can't follow Jesus and have a customized sweet life. I mean, you, you really can't. How do I know that? He just said, verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He had the perfect life in heaven. Everything was according to his liking. He was worshiped, and what did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen, the Lord is calling all of us Laodicean Christians in this wicked, dark age in which we live to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. You know what that means? You're not going to feel happy 24-7. It's going to be hard. Following Jesus is very difficult. To the flesh. To the flesh. In Christ, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Christian, I'm not asking you to just give a little bit to Jesus. I'm asking you to give everything to Jesus. Your clothes. Your movies. Your house. Your kids, your job, your money, everything to give to Jesus. It's not, a popular, it's not a popular message, but my friends and family, there is no way you can truly preach the Bible unless that is the message you preach. That is, that is precisely what Jesus Christ required of his disciples. And it's what he calls each of us to. You know what we do? We say, well, I know that, but I have kind of my own custom look About that (laughs) You're going to customize the Bible Now aren't you You're going to try to custom fit it So that it doesn't hurt you any place Because everybody knows what God did He saved you So that you could be deliriously happy 24-7 Can I remind you that we're going to heaven Where I'm pretty sure, last time I checked With no disease, no death, no sickness No taxes You're going to be pretty close to deliriously happy For the rest of eternity but he says here, I told you I'm sending you there. I'm going to even change out your nasty old body. Won't that be a blessing? But he said, until you get there, I'm asking you, believers, not, not someone who hasn't been born again, someone who's in Christ, to take up your cross and follow me. Take, it's, it, and, and you and I have the power to choose to do that. Be of the same mind. You say, what does the crucified life look like? Well, it looks like, in this particular instance, it looks like getting on the same page with my sister in Christ. Her. Isn't the Lord a little bit, kind of, seems almost like sadistic sometimes. You want to follow me? Love her. <laughs> no, 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 Lord. Get, you know. I, I love you. I don't think she's even right with God. She's not even doing right. How am I supposed to love? The Lord says, you want want to honor me? There's only one mind of Christ available to every believer. Not a whole bunch of individually customized, you know, 31 Baskin-Robbins flavors of Jesus Christ. There's one mind of Christ. Here it is in the King James Bible. I want you and you and you and you and you and you and and all y'all to have one mind and speak the same thing well, I'd rather have this in my church. Well, I'd rather go there and have this. And I just think, listen, there's different strokes for different folks. I do believe that. There's different types of churches. But this understanding of having the mind of Christ comes with a cross. I don't care care what church you go to, if they're not preaching a cross, the life of a Christian is the life of denying yourself and following Jesus. Then it's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is Jesus gives you eternal life and from here until the time you leave, you are to live the life that honors Jesus Christ. And we get squirrely about that. You know why? We don't trust God. We don't believe that even though Jesus got raised from the dead, he's not going to help us. If I give my life up, what am I going to get? Where's my 401k? If I, if I give my heart to Jesus, will I ever get married? Will I ever get that new house, a new car? If Jesus wants you to have it, you will. See, it's a life of total self-denial. And there's no way for you to get on the same page as other brothers and sisters in Christ until you recognize that the mind of Christ is how you're going to get there. Humbling yourself. You find common ground. Where? At the foot of the cross. I want you to take your Bibles to chapter... 1. Chapter 1, as we close, look at verse 27. Chapter 1, verse 27, he said, Only only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is why it's so important to be of the same mind in the Lord. Because he's given to us a ministry of reconciliation. How can we expect to reconcile sinners to God if we're not even reconciled to other believers? When you're reconciled to other believers, it reminds you of the power of the gospel. When you reconcile with your spouse, with your kids, with that brother that maybe there's been a tiff between you and him. When you reconcile with your parents... When you reconcile with the authorities that God's put in your life, you begin to understand the power of the gospel. It's going to change how you think, how you interact. Satan always pushes us away. Satan always says, well, you don't need too much of God. You know, you can, take, you can get too much. You can get crazy. You don't need, he always pushes us and isolates. You know what the Lord does? He brings us in. He pulls us together. Satan will lie to you about me. He'll lie to me about you. He'll lie to us about God, and he'll even lie to God about us. He's always pushing us apart. The Lord is bringing us together. What brings us together? The power of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus can conquer death, he can conquer anything that comes between a believer and another believer. Are you engaged in a feud? Or are you in a cold war with another believer, a spouse? This is also, by the way, how you get right with God himself. First of all, you've got to figure out where your identity is. Are you a child of God? Hey, if you are a child of God, that's your number one identity. Not your last name, not your address, not your heritage, not your bank account. It's Christ who is your identity. Christ who is our life. Identity and humility. Are you humble? Do you have the mind of Christ? Are you actively seeking to be of the same mind? It takes more than just being humble in your mind. You have to be. You have to do something with that. God wants to bring each believer here together. God wants to bring those who are not believers into his family. And one day we'll all be gathered around the throne praising the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to look out on every person and his love is going to shine from his face and the same love is going to fill every man, woman, boy, and girl at that place at the same time and we're all going to resound in praise to the Lamb of God. He just wants us to rehearse that before we get there. Let's bow our heads in prayer.